Welcome to the Straight Up Small Business Podcast. I'm Beck Buchanan, accountant turned bookkeeping business owner. I'm passionate about small businesses like yours, and I create this weekly podcast to support and inspire you to make the next best decision in your business journey. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Straight Up Small Business Podcast. I appreciate you listening and choosing to spend the next 15 to 20, actually I have no idea how long this episode is going to go, uh, with me in your ears. Thank you. And before I kick off, I would like to acknowledge traditional owners of the land I'm recording this episode on, the Kujumbara people of the Bunjalung Nation. I pay my deep respects to them, their elders past, present and emerging. Today, I'm going to lighten up the listening a little bit as we head into December in just two short weeks. I keep telling people, only half joking, that my brain has already left the building for the year. And with that, I don't think it's a good time for me to be talking to you about tax tips or bookkeeping matters. But rather, I'm going to stick with funner topics to see the year out that don't overload our brains too much. Today, I'm going to share three practices which I've found to be super useful in my business and my life this year. I hope that by sharing them, you might be inspired to experiment with these practices in your own business and life. I'm going to go as far as saying that these three practices have been needle moving for me and my business in helping me to cope with the myriad of pressures I face as an entrepreneur. As I'm sure you can appreciate as a fellow business owner, feelings of overwhelm are commonplace at the helm of a business ship. Deadlines and problems and goals and pressures and comparison-itis and FOMO and all the things are swirling around our brains on a daily basis. We need to have a toolkit to deal with that noise and these three things or practices are in mind. Number one is problem solving using the SOAK method. I've been dabbling with this practice a lot this past few months and I'm absolutely loving it because it's producing such great results for me personally. I originally learned this method from a friend at a barbecue. (laughs) I was telling this friend how I like to let things metaphorically marinate before acting on them. Things like when you move into a new house and you hate the bathroom and you want to rip it out and renovate things immediately, but it's more sensible to let the bathroom marinate for a while by living in the house for three to six months before you renovate, because then you will have a better idea about what you need when doing the renovation. Same in a work sense. When things blow up and I go into fight or flight response, I tell myself to calm down and let the matter marinate for a bit to see what happens and to see how I feel or how things develop tomorrow or next week before taking major action. My friend at the barbecue said, Oh, that's like the soak method where you leave your brain to work out solutions to a problem over a week or so. I was like, well, not exactly, but that sounds great. Do tell me more about this soak method and let me go and give that a go and see what happens. So please note that I tried to research this theory or this practice for this podcast so I could credit, uh, give credit, sorry, where it's due, but I really couldn't find anything other than one article 
called Give Your Problems Soaking Time When Trying to Solve Them by David Richardson, and I will link to that article in the show notes. So maybe this isn't a widespread theory or practice, but it really works for me, so I'm going with it and I'm going to share it with you. So herein lies my understanding of soaking time and how I have been using this practice. When I come up against a problem that I can't solve easily or immediately, I've stopped trying to struggle with the problem and stopped trying to find a solution in that moment. Instead, I've been enthusiastically giving myself time to let the problem soak in my subconscious mind, trusting that I will come up with the solution in good time. I keep the problem visible somewhere, usually in my uncleared emails, which I have to look at multiple times a day, or in notes on my phone or written down on a desk notepad where I can glance at it every so often. And then I find it keeps coming into my mind as a loose thought a couple of times a day. Sometimes the problem frustrates me whilst I'm remembering it's something that I still have to solve, but I've learned to not get fixated on that feeling too much and just trust in the process. I'll find myself loosely thinking about the problem on my runs or dog walks, at my desk when I'm procrastinating, whilst driving or at traffic lights, as well as when I'm forced to remember it by looking at my uncleared emails, phone notes or desk pad notes. And in good time, which might be a couple of hours for a simple problem or two weeks for a more complex problem, the solution will always appear like magic. The two-week solution happened just last week where I'd been holding a team member up on some much-needed feedback from me for a problem that we both had and couldn't go back to the client on. It wasn't urgent, but there would have been a deadline in due course if I hadn't come up with the solution in the way I had. I was starting to get worried about my ability to solve this particular problem and was considering a plan B in order to meet the deadline. But then this particular solution came to me whilst looking at another client's file that had the same issue. I wasn't expecting it to, it just happened to be something that I was working on and came across the solution. So like magic, as I said earlier, the solution appeared for me. It's like a light bulb going on and it's the most rewarding experience. And in that particular case, the solution came not just through time and my subconscious working and doing its thing, but also from my exposing myself to more work and more examples and more experiences of doing things which became relatable to the problem that I had at hand. So really just moving on with life and business and trusting that my experience as well as with my brain and subconscious doing its thing, the solution will appear in due course. I'm addicted to this way of working now and I encourage you to try it. The steps are give yourself a fair crack at solving the problem, you know, quickly and instantly once you come across the problem. But if you can't solve it, walk away from it and let your brain work on the problem as you move on to other things. Trust yourself and your brain to come up with the solution you're looking for in time. Write the problem down and put it somewhere you will remember it and be able to reference it, be that a post-it note or on a whiteboard or on your phone lock screen or somewhere else that you know you will look. Then just wait for the breakthrough and have the breakthrough and then celebrate it. And I guess the concept of soaking time can and should be applied to other less problem-related situations. For example, like coming up with an idea for a podcast on Friday should be given a couple of days to soak before recording the podcast because chances are that on Saturday 
and or Sunday and or Monday, you're going to have some cool thoughts regarding that podcast that you would have missed out on had you have recorded it immediately on the Friday when you first had the idea. That's just another example of how I'm applying and loving soaking time in my business and life. The second practice I'm loving is creating time to think. For this practice, I need to absolutely give credit to the author Nancy Klein here, who wrote a book called Time to Think, and I listened to this book on Audible this year. I should also give credit to Alana Robertson from Founder, who introduced me to this book in one of my coaching and training sessions with her. I do absolutely recommend the book Time to Think, but it goes into a lot more depth than I'm going to reference in this podcast episode. The book is very much about giving people time and the right environment to think in by being a great listener to them. And being a great listener means truly listening and not suggesting solutions to the thinker or the speaker of the problem, but rather letting them come up with their own solutions by giving them time to think their problem through. And a vital part of the process is for the listener to come up with what's called an incisive question for the thinker, which is a question that aims to free the thinker's mind from its limiting assumptions, thereby enabling the thinker to create a solution to their problem. And there's a whole book about it, and it's really hard to summarize in one paragraph. But say your problem is, I don't have enough time to get all my work done and be a present parent with my children every day. My understanding of an incisive question that a listener could ask around this problem is, if you knew you had enough time to do your work and be present with your children, how would you structure your day? And then the thinker is meant to come forth with a great solution if they had removed those limiting uh, beliefs that they had that were preventing them from being able to solve their problem. Anyway, I'll let Nancy take you through her amazing theory if and when you read her book. But my main takeaway from it was literally to carve out time for myself to think. It sounds so darn simple, but it's not always. I am often the sole carer of my two boys day to day when my husband is in Sydney for work, which means my official work day is 9.30am till 2.30pm. And then I'm ferrying my children to sporting activities and doing dinner and bedtime and homework and throw in exercise and walking the dog and groceries and cleaning. There isn't any idle time left in the week if I'm not careful. And because my husband works away, it's like we have a family reunion every weekend when he returns where every family moment is cherished. And again, I have very little idle time, if any. So I'm sure you can relate to this in your own way because life these days is busy. So I literally have had to put thinking time on a pedestal and schedule it in. It might mean blocking out time in my diary or it might mean opting to leave the AirPods at home on one of my runs so that I can let my brain do some thinking rather than learning by listening to something. I've also realized that part of the reason I love having a business coach so much, Christy Robinson, if you're listening, (laughs) and also in recent months why I'm loving having a racial equity coach, Annie Gishiru, if you're listening, is that for one hour per fortnight with each of my coaches, I have dedicated thinking time and someone to help me think. It is so valuable to me. 
The reason thinking time is so valuable is because I can see big picture stuff and get out of the weeds of my life and my business. I can problem solve. I can tune into my intuition. I can get myself off the hamster wheel that I often feel like I'm on. I can focus on what matters most and not the busy work. I can get inspired and find clarity. And the list goes on. And I'm sure this would apply to you too. Thinking time is instrumental to my business journey and my life as a 40-something-year-old woman. I crave it when I haven't had it, and without it, I'd be stuck in the to-do list tick-off cycle instead of making the big life moves I've become so comfortable in taking in years of late thanks to thinking time. The third and final practice I'm loving and have turned into an art form is prioritization. Now, I know you're going to be thinking, Beck, this isn't exactly groundbreaking material here. We all know what that means and have been doing prioritizing since we were a child with no particular skills necessary, like choosing biscuits over carrots and all night discos over sleep. But I have started to see prioritization as a skill to be honed, and I actually think it's becoming a superpower of mine. My to-do list is burdening. Day after day, hour after hour, it grows. As soon as I tick something off, another three things get added. Every time I check emails, I have to add things. Every time I answer a phone call, more things go on the list. And faced with the daily onslaught of tasks I could do, I have to make hard yes and hard no decisions every day that are central to moving my business and life in the right direction. I don't let my inbox tell me what to do or phone calls, or even my team, or my clients to a point. I choose what's important and where to put my focus and am unwavering in that decision making. Every morning I set my priorities for the day. Often I say them out loud. For example, I might be walking to the coffee machine and I will say, okay, today the priorities are podcast planning for the Christmas break, late super guaranteed charge statements for client X and review five month end files for the team. This cements the priorities in my head. It really etches in my focus. Then back at my desk, I will write them down and number them one, two, and three. Then I consider my wider to-do list and add a few things to the daily to-do list from that. I know that I may not get to all of them, but those items I numbered one, two, and three, as an example, I will absolutely get to. And then I attack those priorities one after the other, never multitasking and always focused. When you're running a business, it's often easier to know what the priorities are because you're on the balcony as opposed to the dance floor and you can see the wood from the trees, hopefully. And this is easier than when you're working in the business and you've just got your stuff to get through. So I will regularly say to my team, do you need help prioritizing your work today or this week? And I will eagerly tell them where to focus their energy. And I delegate work to my team all the time, but I am always sure to call out what's urgent versus what's just business as usual work. So that if something needs immediate attention, they know they need to focus on that. But I never want to become noise in their day and distract them from self-authoring their own plans. I think priority setting is so valuable and if you don't do it or don't do it well, your inbox ends up running your business and your life. 
And inboxes rarely contain needle-moving business initiatives. They usually just include business-as-usual work, fires to put out, or more stuff to add to your to-do list. Well, that brings me to the end of this episode. To recap, my three newish and fantastic practices that I've been using in my business and life this year are number one, giving problems time to soak when I can't solve them right away. I know my brain will solve the problem eventually, usually at an unexpected time when I'm relaxed and not focusing on the problem at hand at all. Number two, ensuring I have regular time set aside to think. This time can be used to solve problems, but also to create goals and envision things and tap into my intuition and so much more. Number three, last but not least, is professional prioritization. I take the daily task of prioritizing very seriously as doing so ensures the right stuff gets done at the right time. If I wasn't careful, as I'm sure you can relate, I could spend all day clearing emails if I let myself. This is no way to move the needle forward in my business or life as greatness is rarely going to be waiting in an unopened email. Thank you so much for listening. I hope these practices of mine might apply to you in some way. If you do dabble with them and want to let me know the results that you get, please let me know. You can send me a message on Instagram or LinkedIn or join my mailing list and you can email me there. Have a wonderful week and I will catch you next time.